This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name's Will, and that's it, because no one's joining me today, but uh, because Kat and John have already begun their July vacation. Uh, as for John, he's only in, on vacation from this show, because you can still catch him on hosting his very own uh, podcast, that is, Gen X Grown Up. And as for Kat, she is uh, globe hopping to uh, follow Duran Duran around. And while that sounds like something I would uh, maybe make up about Kat, it's it's actually true. And we look forward to hearing uh, about her adventure. Uh, as for me, I'll be joining uh, them on vacation in just a moment. But uh, today's episode is brand new. I'm going to be playing for you in just a moment my interview with Julie Brown. Not downtown Julie Brown, the other one, the comedian, the actor, the writer, the singer, the director, the producer, the star and creator of Earth Girls Are Easy, for example. Uh, We just interviewed her on Facebook Live just a couple of days ago, and so this is coming hot and fresh to you right now. I'll be playing that for you in just a moment. But uh, I did want to remind you that uh, you can see John in person at the Southern Fried Gaming Expo July 15th through the 17th. Visit GameATL.com and use the code GenXGrownUp for $5 off your ticket. That is a gaming expo, one of the largest uh, gaming expos, and it's uh, hosted there in Atlanta, again, the weekend of July 15th and 17th. If you see him, hey, give him a high five from me. Okay, hey, like I mentioned, last new episode uh, for the month of July here, we're going to share some other content throughout the month, and then we'll be back with brand new guests, brand new content, lots of fun, lots of uh, infotainment. You know, you're entertained and educated, at the same time, uh, beginning at the first week uh, of August. Okay, in the meantime, enjoy this uh, chat with Julie Brown, who is just, not only is she iconic, you know, uh, when it comes to the 1980s, right? There's few people you can think of that are that so represent that decade with her, her look, her characters, her music, her film, um, but also turns out to be just a wonderfully nice, kind, generous, engaging person. So here you go. Enjoy our recent chat, as in just a couple of days ago, with a Julie Brown. Our guest has, uh, is a multi-hyphenate of having worked in nearly every aspect of the entertainment industry. On television, she appeared in a number of our favorites, uh, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, The Jeffersons, Quantum Leap. On film, after being discovered by legendary uh, comedian uh, Lily Tomlin, of all people, uh, her life can change when uh, Ms. Tomlin put her in her film, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, a film which terrified me as a kid, by the way. And then later on in the decade, after appearing in other films, our guest wrote and starred in, do folks know that she also wrote this? Uh, the sci-fi comedy Earth Girls Are Easy, where she starred opposite Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum, and up-and-coming uh, comedians uh, Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans. But wait, there's more! You know, I probably should just bring her out here. By the time I get through all of her credits, it's going to be over. Our guests also made a huge impact in the musical arena as well, because you're familiar with her f- songs like The Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun and I Like Them Big and Stupid, which are hits and played everywhere, certainly throughout the country and around the world. I'm going to stop there. Let's bring out our guest. Uh, you know her, you love her. Please welcome to the show, Julie Brown. Hey, Julie. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm glad I didn't uh, try to do that in one breath. I know. I feel and like I can I apologize to anyone who tuned in last time when I 
couldn't figure out how to log on. So I apologize. Well, you know, look, I think in Outlook, the folks that we're talking today, they're all in our age group. So they feel your pain. Okay. Uh, so they understand like being yes. technologically idiotic, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I still marvel at this. You know, I, I'm not I'm not convinced that uh, we are not benefiting from alien technology. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Maybe, but, but you're probably is, right. It's amazing, right? Yeah, but what's really this? weird is how younger people can work it so fast. Yeah. That's weird to me. They just yeah. go, did it, did it, you know? Yeah, having, right, watching them, unfortunately, watching my youngest daughter, it becomes like a second consciousness and yeah, you watch out for yeah. that's dangerous i know um, so oh a lot of folks are here oh look a lot of folks are saying hello hi 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 uh, everybody you you must get this a lot right is she downtown so what i mean no I, every, I get that have... all the time i know it's just like when will it go away anyway yeah. what happened was i was on mtv downtown julie brown was already on mtv right Yep. And she had um, her dance show. So she was already a person there. And then I showed up to promote my album and they were like, oh my God, your name's Julie Brown. So it became like a, we made like a fake rivalry and, you know, <laughs> and then, then in a way I, I started getting pissed because <laughs> it, the confusion was annoying, but she yep. is a really nice girl. Yeah. And then, but people, I think it's because it's alliteration or, you know, it's great sounding downtown Julie Brown. So people look yeah. at me and go, Oh, downtown Julie Brown. So I know they know it's me, but they don't know that's not my name. Right. Yeah. So now sometimes when people do that to me, they go downtown Julie Brown. I go, yes. Hello. Thank you. I don't even yeah. argue with them anymore. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, actually, actually now I think about it because Julie Brown, right. Sounds sort of like a common name. My name, by the way, is yeah. very common. It's like a uh, Smith in uh, Mexico and other Latin American countries. The, the fact that there hasn't been more Julie Browns actually is quite astonishing I, now that I think about it. Well, there are. I mean, people, I hear from them all the time. Yeah. It's just like, there's a Julie Brown who does clothing line. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, so there are more. They just haven't broken through yet. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, if only you can get a paycheck. I mean, come on. You're the one who put the brand on the map. Just send I your, know, uh, I know, dude. I know. Yeah, right? I mean, um, so... You know, a lot of your, uh, obviously a lot of your characters define the 1980s, the the style, the, uh, you know, the, what folks think of as, as Valley Girls, um, yeah. sense of humor. Um, this group here is obviously we're fans of the 1980s. It's curious that to think that you're so iconic for the 1980s for those things, but your pop culture that inspired you wasn't from that decade. What was the pop culture no, that you but grew up? I think that I was always, first of all, like growing up, you know, pretty fascinated by pop culture. Yeah. So I was always paying attention to everything, you know, and there's things and people I fell in love with, like, like Leslie Gore or like the Shangri-Las, you know, the Supremes, like people that were doing those things. They were so interesting to me. Right. right. And um, so you sort of collect things along the way. And that's what influenced me. But then when we got to the 80s, the 80s did influence me because the 80s music had changed. Right. And it sort of seemed like anybody could do it. And it didn't seem like that until that point. Mm. You know, like like the Go-Go's. I mean, they really seem like just these girls who decided to do music, you know, which they kind of were. So I thought, well, why can't I do that? 
because it wasn't like you had to be this amazing singer, you know, to, to, to do it. It used to be that way. So the eighties itself and also the music was so happy and fun. And I thought, I'm just going to do that. You know? Right. Yeah. You're right. And even, uh, I don't know that you had this benefit necessarily, but there was, music production became more democratized because Completely. of you know, synths and computers right. were still new, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like when I wrote those songs, I would, you, you go to someone's house and you know, they have a synthesizer and you're writing in someone's house. Right. right. I mean, we recorded in a studio, which now you don't even have to go to a studio to record, but we <laughs> right. would, you know, write the songs and then go to a studio. Right. Right. So, you know, and, and you point out your songs, obviously we know your comedy. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to what the different career tracks were, or maybe they were happening sort of simultaneously. They were, they were kind of, I mean, I know it sounds like, sometimes I go, why didn't I just do one thing? But I could not just do one thing because right. I started off in acting school in San Francisco. And then me and my writing partner, we wrote a show for his project and everybody loved it. And it was all f- comedy. Cause usually the school, everything they do is so serious, but people loved sure. it. So we started getting booked in nightclubs before we graduated and I'm going, this is so fun. So, and we did music in our act. So that's the show I had Lily Tom. I asked Lily Tomlin, I called her manager and asked her to come down, which is like, how did I have the nerve to do that? I don't know, yeah. but I did. <laughs> and she came, which makes her like a goddess. And, um, she was really nice and said, if you come to LA, write to me. And I did. And then she put me in an incredible shrinking woman. So I had started doing musical things there. So then we moved back to LA and I was super frustrated because my, my writing partner didn't want to really perform anymore. And I was acting. I mean, that's, I think that's when I got happy days, but I felt like it's still really hard to break through. So I have to do something. So I, I got the idea for these songs and I started writing them and they did become like cult hits. So they, and like earth girls are easy was a song first right. that, you know, and I pitched it to Warner brothers and they bought it. So it was the thing that I did to sort of break through. And then I got to write it and I'd been writing the whole time. So I just think everything's interesting to me. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I've done it. It's like, Oh, that would be fun. That's really fun. Or I think I can do that. So I think that's why there's so many things I've tried to do. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you're a believer in this, right. But this idea that what you show the universe you're interested in, the universe starts to sort of, you know, give back. Yeah, no, I totally believe that. I totally believe that. I think that's why I went, well, why don't I just do that? Like, cause you go, if you think you can do it or you kind of like make the effort to create something, right. Things do come back to you. Like when we did the homecoming Queens got a gun, that was on my first EP and it became a hit on K rock, which is in LA. Right. right? It was like a cult. It's like a cult hit. And then I wanted to do a video. So we wrote the video and this guy comes along and goes, Oh, well I want to be the director of it. So I'll give you $40,000 to do the video. (laughs) Like it's insane. And we said, well, we'll let you do it if you do exactly our script. So he said, okay, okay. So he shot exactly what we wrote. Um, So that's the thing. If you just kind of decide you're going to do it, things help you. Right. 
Yeah. Like Lily Tomlin. I mean, how's, how do things like that happen? That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Even to think nuts. like, I think now, like, you know, we have the benefit of the, uh, internet to find, to find folks, get, reach out to folks like yourself, publicists, et cetera. I don't even know how you, how do you find a manager, you know, in the, what, in the seventies, uh, someone to contact. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I somehow, I don't know. I left a message at the, she was performing at, um, uh, what's, I can't remember the name of the club, but she was performing there. And I left a message there mm. for her manager. But the thing is like, you go, would she call me back? And she did. So wow. it, it's just being, pushy, but being like, you know, kind of not mean pushy, just being upbeat pushy. Right. 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 Like you can't be a jerk. You have to be pleasant, but you can still be kind of pushy. Right. Well, let's see. Uh, get some comments here. Megan says, Julie Brown, you look fantastic. Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much. I put on eyeshadow for this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for putting on eyeshadow. I know. I know. Uh, Edward says, love you, Julie Brown. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, you know, it's so weird. You do an interview show like this and you just don't walk around thinking, you know, I have fans. And then you see like people are so appreciative of all this effort I've put out there. And it's really wonderful. Yeah, it's it's got to be bizarre. You know, I, I don't know if we, we spoke with Mark Holton, you know, a comedic actor who's been was in a number of 80s films. And, and since he didn't even know people knew him, you know, he was out of the acting yeah. business for a while. And then people started coming up to him. He's like, how do these people know my movies? I know it's weird, right? You, you think like you just don't think if it's not in your face every day that people yeah. are aware of it. But yeah. people are. I mean, a lot of people love pop culture and they pay attention and they don't forget I wonder if we're, we've been circling Lily, uh, Lynn's uh, rather a question here. How do I get started in the acting business? I can sing as well. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah. hmm. The thing is um, you have to, you have to go actually do it. The thing is there's a lot of actors here who are just auditioning for like movies and television. And that's, I don't think it's enough because I was performing in clubs. I was, I think I was in some plays. I was in some plays when I was in San Francisco, you kind of have to do everything you can think of, you know, and ask people to put you in things. Um, so if I were you, I would get like, uh, actors access, a subscription to that, mm-hmm. find out theater things that are happening. If you could develop any kind of nightclub act, that would be great because people will see you there that would not see you otherwise. You know, so it's not really a great plan, but it's all I can come up with is that you have to just do everything you can think of. Right. And now, see, now you have um, like YouTube, you can put films on YouTube and people have been discovered on YouTube. So there's more access really, you know, even though YouTube is really inundated with stuff, but you like Asa Ray was discovered there. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, Lynn just, Start making little films, um, put them on YouTube, start auditioning for things and just be willing to do whatever you can. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, you know, there's that weird myth, right. That surrounds a lot of celebrity and maybe it's, I want to say if it's worse now or, or, or maybe it's more apparent that it's a fake, but this idea that, you know, that you get off the bus from Kansas and, you know, you're, you know, star of films you don't hear a lot about the work that is I know. involved. I know. And it really discourages a lot of people because they don't think that that would happen. They don't think that like it's going to, they're going to be hit with this ton of 
daunting things in their way. Um, like a really good friend of mine is 25 and she wants to be an actress and she's done some acting. And I told her, I go, you should get a stand up act together. You should. And she did. And she's getting more things. But she I said, you just have to be accepting that this is that hard. Trying to do this is right. as hard as you possibly think it is, right. you know, and then you have to get a job to support yourself while you're doing it. You know, because if you're not paying the bills with your acting jobs, so that it's not just it's not just get off the bus and yeah. get a job. I wonder if yeah. Look, here's an old another old man rant. It seems like kids today they don't expect <laughs> to have to work hard though, right? Now I'm not saying you, Lynn, but you know, yeah. And maybe no, that I is because you've got celebrities that don't actually do anything and they're just famous. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Kardashians and stuff, even though yeah. it seems like they do work kind of hard though. Right. Mm. At being the Kardashians. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, I, mean, I feel like I, I saw like the opening of their new show and they have the cameras in their house and their house really is a TV studio. Wow. So mm. there there's a hair and makeup room. There's the cameras that are like, so these girls are just getting in hair and makeup and ready and being on, they're working really hard, you know, to, to be that. Yeah. There's no acting yeah. involved or singing or anything, but yeah. they're doing that. So, and I think kids think, I don't know why they think it's easy. I really don't know. Right. I mean, do you? I blame myself. I think what it is, <laughs> not for everybody's kids, just my own okay. kids. Maybe as, you know, maybe as a microcosm of what's going on. I do think like our generation, you know, I grew up, I'm a little bit younger than you are, but the, I think it's similar in a sense that. How dare you say that? Go ahead. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Being a latchkey kid, having to come home at, you know, after school and cook yourself dinner on yeah. a stove with the fire. Now, I think as a result of that, I've been more protective of my kids, trying to be yeah. like, I don't want you to have to do that. I don't want you to get a job when you're 13 years old. Right, right. And sort of coddle them out of knowing, you know a more difficult or challenging life, I guess. I, I think I understand what you're saying. And I, my son now is 28 and yeah. I think there's a lot of kids who do feel that way. He's, yeah. he was dyslexic. So he always had to work very hard yeah. and he did because he didn't, he was so, he so much wanted to be significant. So yeah. I'd like, I never had to tell him to do his homework or do things because he was just like, you know, willing to do the work, but I think that's an unusual circumstance, right? Yeah. Cause you yeah. wanted to achieve so much. I don't right. think it's my doing really, <laughs> but I think yeah, if you're yeah. right, if you've got this great parent, you've got great parents that are supporting you, they're taking care of you. Maybe you don't feel that compelled to work hard. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I've got a lot of mental issues. I blame myself for a lot of stuff. So that, you know, maybe it's not me in terms of it. Stop blaming yourself. Well, <laughs> I'm in therapy. I'm working on it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Brian says you are awesome and awesome still. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. That's so sweet. Um, um, I, I, I hope yeah. so. I'm trying to be awesome still. I don't feel awesome yeah. all the time. Um, the pandemic was hard to feel awesome during, mm. right? Yeah. Yes. You know, that was rough, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yes. And I, I just saw this thing in the New York times. They had this little question thing. And I asked my wife these, uh, it was like questions to check with your significant other, uh, like how you're doing after the pandemic. And it didn't even occur to me that it could affect relationships in a way. And oh yeah, it got to the heart of like, you can't possibly be doing all the same things you used to do together just because of, 
no. scared to go in the world or whatever. Right. And if you had kids, you had to, someone had to be, you know, managing the kids. Right. So you don't always do that together. Um, no, I think people, my opinion is that they're going to find out that the pandemic was incredibly significant to people's way of thinking, you know, right. about themselves because some people got really depressed. Some people had revelations. It was a downtime. So everyone had to kind of process all this stuff that had happened. Right. So I think it's going to take years to, you know, untangle the pandemic. Right. Yeah. And if we don't recognize it the way you're suggesting or until we recognize it, we probably yeah. won't pro start to process it for ourselves. No. And then I know people like that. They're like, I'm jumping back into everything. And you're like, mm. no, you should take a minute to go. What's, yeah. what's your purpose? Like, what do you want to accomplish? You know, you had two right. years to think about it. Right. It can't be exactly the same. Right. Yep. Yeah. Need some new paradigms. Yeah. 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 I feel like the things I want to do have changed. I can feel them shifting, you know, so still working on it. Yeah. Uh, David has a question here going back to the beginning of your career. What was it like working with <laughs> Um. Well, on happy days, he was kind of terrible. Um, he, he, well, cause he was the Fonz, right? Sure. So yeah. that's how he was walking around, like oh. in the Fonz, you know, like in your, in, and that's intimidating. And, and it wasn't like, you just felt like weird around him. You didn't feel comfortable. Hmm. Then he came on when I was working on Clueless, he was directing and he was completely different. He was sweet and kind of goofy and really nice. And wow. so I'm like, okay, this is a totally different Henry Winkler. And then he's also dyslexic. And he came to my son's school and talked about dyslexia and he was really sweet, really great. Made all the kids feel really good. So, you know, Henry Winkler now I think is a great guy. I do. I mean, that may have been just what was going on being, right. you know, on a hit TV show at the time, yeah. but everything I've seen from him since then, he's really sweet. Yeah, I imagine it's tough. And maybe you could speak to this too as well. We're talking about celebrity. He was a young man at the time, you know, I, I think it was one of his early things. So he went to what, Yale School of Drama. So yeah. to go from theater to suddenly being one of the most famous people in the world, I think. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't know. I mean, I when I was on MTV, I, that was probably the most recognizable I was in public, you know, because it was on that show was on all the time. Just say Julie. And it never made me feel like, well, I'm pretty hot and special. I never could absorb that feeling. You know what I mean? I didn't. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know why some actors make that, draw that conclusion that they're awesome. feel awesome? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. But Henry Winkler now, I think if you would talk to him now, he'd be really sweet and nice, you know? Yeah. And he's yeah. so good on Barry. Oh gosh. Isn't that so, show great? It is. So but it's getting great, hard yeah. to root for Barry though. No spoilers, but it's getting hard to root for Barry. Very hard to root for Barry. But, uh, yeah. yeah. You're right. It is. You know, you mentioned that, um, we were just talking about Henry Winkler who, you know, went to Yale school of drama and you mentioned how you, you know, you went to ACT in San Francisco there. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the shows are serious. So you, you were more interested in doing comedy and sort of shaking it up. Is there, it's always interesting to me that, it seems like in actors like yourself that you may not have had formal comedy training. Like, I don't even know what that would be, 
But even in acting school, you focused on comedy and, you know, your career is largely related to comedy. I know they weren't focusing on comedy at all in my acting school. I think it's just what I always loved. And so when we had a chance to do a show, we wrote a funny show and Saturday Night Live was hugely influential and Monty Python. And I, I just wanted to do that. So, and it was more fun than doing like Ibsen or, you know, Shakespeare. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to just do this. And then I did, I mean, the only formal comedy training I've had was only in the last maybe six years. I, I went back to the, no, I know when I was first came to LA, I studied with Herbie Lembeck. Do you know who he is? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yes. I studied his improv class. Robin Williams was in there and John Ritter. Wow. And I did that for like two years and I had a stand-up act um, and I did my stand-up act and I was on evening at the improv all the time. But the, the, then I, in the last six years, I went to the groundlings because I thought, I don't really know how they do that kind of improv. Mm-hmm. So I've been taking that for the last six years with different groundlings and I've learned the groundling style of improv and it's so much fun. It's like, it's, it's like being high. It really is. Mm. Cause when you, you relax enough, yeah. it's just fantastic. Mm. You say you're taking it now. Yeah. No kidding. Isn't wow, that crazy? That's amazing. That's, I know. I mean, that's well, when my son went off to college, I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, now that my mom job's kind of over. Um, And I thought I've never really, really learned how to do improv the way they do it. The the sort of where there's, there are, there are kind of rules and everything to improv, Mm. right? There's things to think about and learn and practice. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. And then I really fell in love with it. You know, Mm. I'm kind of glad I didn't discover it before because I think that's all I would have done. And you can't make any money in improv. So um, (laughs) I learned how to do it. It's really, really fun. And I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. 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 Of course, the groundlings and look now it's just pumping out, you know, comedic actor after comedic actor. I know. I know because they really, you know, they used to have care, like they'd encourage people in the beginning to do characters that were really big but they're kind of refining it so that the characters are more realistic now, which I find funnier. You know, they're, they're still a little bit big, but they're mostly realistic, you know? And, um, I even studied, I went to UCB for a little while, you know, UCB, right? Yes, of course. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't love what they did. They had like this comedy book they made you buy as if comedy can be made into a book, (laughs) right? Two. Yeah. yeah. Chapter two. And I was like, this is so goofy. And I, I didn't really like oh. it. So yeah. But I, I thought I'll see if there's anything here that I can learn. Yeah. I was in a, I was in a sketch comedy group in the nineties in, in New York city when UCB came to town. I'm like, Oh, that's it. Pack it up. We're done. I know. I know. They just took over. Yeah. Yeah. Did you stay in your sketch comedy group? Uh, we only did it for a year or two. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was it was one like like you're saying. We were trying everything. You try everything. I know. You try everything. One of those try things. everything. See, now I can do it just for the sheer fun of it. I'm not yeah. trying to like break in with it. So mm. it's really fun because of that. Wow. Yeah. Just a great freedom. Yeah. Uh, I've got another early career question here uh, from Megan. One of my favorite movies is The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Doesn't it scary though? There's something scary about it though, right? What there is, is something scary memory? about it. What's my favorite memory of being in that movie? Um. 
I think Joel Schumacher, the director, he was, I was really scared because that was, I got my SAG card on that movie, mm. right? Because um, Lily Tomlin had them cast me and Joel Schumacher met with me. And I, I just think my favorite memory is that he made me feel so comfortable. Like mm. you're going to be great. This is fun. This is like, cause I was really intimidated, sure. but the fact that this guy who's this big director was being so kind, it was, that was the great thing to me. I mean, I, I was only in it for one day, so I don't have a lot of memories of all the things that happened. Right. I wish I could tell you more about that. I was part of it, but I was there for one day and that was the best thing about it. Right. Oh, Megan, what is, what, are you, what is this Megan? I wish I was a little bar of, is this an incredible so, shrinking? Soap? <laughs> incredible what is that? Shrinking. I don't know. What is that Megan? Yeah. Some kind of incredible shrinking uh, woman emoji. Maybe that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be maybe a reference to. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that movie I was think- scary. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of scary. I mean, the best thing also was just that I was in a movie. I was just like, I'm in a movie, you know, like, oh my God. So that was pretty, pretty big. She says it is soap. It is crazy that Joel, I was it's crazy that Joel Schumacher directed that considering everything else he directed. I mean, Oh, I know. Right. I know. He was really, really brilliant guy and very kind. I mean, you don't always find that. They're not all like that. The, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, being starstruck uh, or, or intimidated, I should say. Yeah. Uh, as a young performer, you were on so many shows that were so popular. I yeah. Mean, did, you, did, this, did you find yourself starstruck, starstruck as you're on these different uh, um, programs? You know, the thing I found that, I mean, you are if you think about it, but like <clears throat> you're going into the scene or the situation and you have a character. So if you have a character, it's almost like you have something to hide behind. So mm. you just be in your character and then you can talk to anybody on the, because they're trying to, they're just being their character. So they're not they're They don't seem higher up than you. You seem like we're just these characters in this scene. And mm. that's what I noticed was that you just stay in character and you can do it. Like I couldn't believe I was on the Newhart show a couple of times right. and Bob Newhart is so amazing. And I was such a mm. fan and I'm like, I have to do my scenes with Bob Newhart, but I just, did my character and I was like, fine. So that's a lot of it is that you have a way to hide. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, the, uh, let's see here. Oh, Carmela says, Hey, Julie. Hey, Carmela. Hi. There's a lot of folks here saying hi. I'm, I'm sorry for well, folks who are not, we're trying to share what as much as we can get to the questions here. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned just say Julie, which, uh, your, your comedy show on MTV thinking about your, your music and, you know, ultimately your character Medusa, certainly. Oh, right. You've, lamp- you've lampooned a lot of folks over the years. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard from anybody that was a subject? Well, I heard from Madonna. She called yeah. my, her manager, no, her agent called my manager and said, oh, she really liked it. And she thought it was really funny. Oh. I mean, I didn't hear from her, but then I also heard later that, she didn't like a lot of things about it. She didn't like the dog cemetery scene. And she didn't like when the dancers were suing her because that really happened. And then, and then she, while we were rehearsing, um, Vince Patterson, who was the choreographer for her tour, and he was helping me with mine, with my special. Um, 
And he said, she sent over, he gave me this warm bottle of half drunk champagne with a note from Madonna. And I'm, she's like, good luck with your special. And it was like, it seemed a little snarky, but I don't, you know, it's just a, yeah. a note. So, um, I, so I heard from her and I also heard, I mean, you know, I kept thinking somebody would get really mad at me mm. and it didn't happen. I mean, uh, did you ever see the edge? Did you ever see the, the first episode of the edge where I played Delta Burke? Mm, yes. Yes. Bad and yeah. destroying a city. And I felt right, like yeah. really bad about that. That was right. the producer's thing. Mm. And later I heard her say she thought it was really funny. Mm. So, and then I played Carney Wilson in a fat suit. I didn't want to do that either. And then Carney Wilson like invited me to a party. So I'm going, I don't really, I didn't get people getting really mad at me and I don't really have an explanation for that. Mm. You know, I don't. So Maybe it's that it didn't come off as being super mean, more just trying to be them. It, it, it's really hard to say, you know, right? Because right. like, because I wasn't saying, "Oh, she's fat." I'm just like, you know, in a fat suit. I mean, I think that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Is is our, is our? I'm not trying to get political, people. So yeah. everyone, just be calm for a second when I ask this question. Is our world now lampoon proof? I mean, it's just, everything seems a parody and it's. Yeah, I know. Right. I don't think, I mean, I think you can still make fun of things for sure. Yeah. I was going to, I still might do it. I wanted to do Susan Collins, you know, mm -hmm. confessing to people that she's sorry about Bert Kavanaugh. So, I mean, like there's things that come up every day that you go, I, I could do that. I could do that. I did Melania all the time, like on YouTube. And I, there's a show called Mismatch Game where I, we all played celebrities and um, I did her a lot. So I think that the world is just, it's still funny. You know, there's a lot of really super sad, horrible things right now, yep. but there's still funny things. And I think it helps people if you can find humor, right? Right. Yes. I mean, I it does help. So yeah. I'm not going to stop. I think it, it helps me too. It helps me process how hard this is. You know, right. it's, it doesn't seem like it's ever been quite this bad though. Right. Yeah. No, I remember being terrified in the 1980s as a young person thinking that we were going to be destroyed in a nuclear Holocaust seemed like yeah. times, you know, doing these drills at schools where it seemed like, what are we going to be safe from a nuclear bomb under a desk? I, I, I mean, know, this is, I know. I know. Okay. I know. But, uh, yeah. This is a different level. I've also noticed uh, that when I make fun of something, it really does make me feel better about it. Mm. It's like yeah. getting rid of the stress of it or something. Right. Uh, taking no. control or, or power, or taking its yeah. power away or taking its power back to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. You know, you go, cause you can make fun of it and make people will laugh about it. Right. So it's helped me a lot in my life. Yeah. Uh, David, would you do a, a reunion with him? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You ask it. Oh, say, would you, would you, how about a reunion with your coworkers like happy days or clueless? Huh? Are you talking about like a party, like behind the scenes? Or are we talking about a Happy Happy Days show, like come back. I don't know what that would be. The Happy Happy Days, I don't think that would ever happen because all those people are so moved on. Yes. Um, and Clueless, that would be really interesting. Yeah. I would do it in a minute, but, you know, would they do it? I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. I wish they would. I think it would be so fun. 
you know, I could see it happening. So many things yeah. that were good, you know, they bring you back in some different, slightly different way, but you know, right. connected to the original material. Right. And it does seem it like was, they're doing a lot of eighties sort of stuff like that now, but yeah. you know, as we get through, I, maybe they are, I know because I think people really fell in love with the eighties. I mean, you know that from your show, Yeah. but you know, at the time I thought it was fantastic, but you didn't know it would last the way it's lasted. Right. Mm. Right. You didn't know everybody would always be in love with the eighties. And yeah. like my son who's 28 and was born after the eighties. He's like, told me, I love eighties music. I think it's so great. And you go, I wonder like, it's just, this was that good, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I think something you said earlier it, it, it helps too. The fact that well, I think, well, I think two things. One, it, to me, it strikes us that folks that the eighties was the first and going forward, the first generation that had access because of digital media yeah. access to their sort of pop culture in a way that you could just always have it, you know? Right. Like right. Our parents couldn't call up a movie that they grew up as a kid and sort of be nostalgic about it. They had to wait for it on TV. Maybe if they showed it. Yeah. Right. So, and then, like you said, uh, so much of the eighties music was so fun and it seems it like since so then fun. it's all, not like that. It's not like that. I mean, all the new wave and like, you know, everything that happened in the eighties, like, it just was so much fun and rebellious in a really fun way. Yeah. Right. Like the status quo, like I'm, I'm going to do something different. So, yeah. and then the nineties became so serious again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'd love to see a study that sort of, and there's studies that measure happiness in countries over decades. Yeah. I've looked yeah. at some of those. We were happier in the eighties. I think I'm trying to remember the study, but just seems like, yeah. And even before the current events, people seem kind of bummed out about things. Yeah, generally. exactly. My son's asked me, he goes, were you guys aware in the eighties of how great it was? And I go, <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, look, I can't, we should let you go in a few minutes here, but I, I wanted to talk about earth girls are easy because it's just, okay. you, you touched upon it briefly, but uh, the sentence you said about is I pitched it to Warner brothers and they accept, you know, they, they accepted it. That was a, that. a bizarre moment because it was a song first on my first EP. Right. And I met with Amy Pascal took me to lunch. You know who she is, right? She's sure. a giant studio head now. It's Sony. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I had a meeting over at Warner brothers. They called me up because of the songs. They go, these are so theatrical. Do you have any movie ideas? Mm. And, I, and I went, yeah, I do. Because I, we thought of earth girls, Charlie coffee is my writing partner. We thought of earth girls right. while we're writing the song. So I went in and pitched it for me to star in. Right. And right. I'm, I never had pitched a movie. I'm walking around the room, acting the whole thing out. Like I had no idea how to do it. And they go, yes, we'll buy it. Just like a Hollywood moment, like wow. in the room, they go, yes, right. we'll do it. And I was like, Oh my God, it's so easy to sell movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this all the time. I do this all the time. And then of course it took four years to get it made and a million drafts. And then they go, you're not a big enough star to be the star of it. So like mm. there was a lot of future heartbreak that happened after that, but it was a, it was a moment where it just, and then they go, and you know, we have to take your market up, your record off the market. So we'll give you a new record deal. Mm. It was like just magical, you know? Mm. But it just, I don't know, it just happened. And I was really fortunate. And I know you, how is it that uh, 
look, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum were, you know, two of the hottest commodities at the time. They had been in yeah. films, certainly many successful films prior to that. They were in the fly, I think the year before that, maybe. Yeah, two years exactly. Before. They were in the fly right before that. How, how is it that they kind of get cast? Is this, uh, well, they were, I mean, Warner brothers, because it was a, a quirky musical, they were looking for names, you know, which is what they're always doing. So Jeff and Gina as a pair, cause they were a couple at that time too. They, they said, what if we cast them in this movie? And I was like, <laughs> I didn't love the idea at the time. Um, but I've since now I love it. You know, I love them in the movie, but yeah, at the I time agree. I was like, they don't seem right because I had my own ideas of sure. who the characters are supposed to be. Right. So they came as a package to help the movie get made. So yeah. that's how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Even as you say that to think that the studio thought, I know quirky musical, Jeff Goldblum and Gina yeah, Davis. I, I know it's like, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, she had recently won, no, she hadn't won it yet, but between when I sold it and when it got made, she won the Oscar for Accidental Tourist. Oh, you know, wow. okay. They didn't mm. like musical comedy people, but, you know, the studio decided on that. Yeah. And uh, I know you were in Buffalo Bill, but Gina Davis was on oh, that show, right? Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah. you didn't have oh my a God. relationship based on that. Or- no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I totally forgot I was in that. That was fun. That was a funny show. Do you remember it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I loved that show. Yeah. I loved it. Dabney Coleman. He was really yeah. fun. Uh, um, it was really fun. It was one of those comedies you go, Oh God, I love this show. I get to be in it. It's fantastic. All right. We should let you go. We've been chatting for a while. Uh, I'm going to say uh, thank you so much, Julie. Seriously. Oh, thank you. We've been wanting to talk to you for a while because when we think 1980s, there's a few people as iconically, iconically, 1980s as yourself. Uh, oh, thank you. Your, your characters, the work that you did, all of it that we touched upon. And we're certainly grateful for that. Thank you. Well, thank you to everybody who's listening and sent questions in. And I really appreciate it. Bye, everyone. Bye.